Hi, I'm Lindsay Boomershine, brand manager of High Five Gear. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Have your jersey tell your story. Order online at www.high5gear.com today. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Order today and enjoy high5gear.com. Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Norm Duke. You're listening to Above180.com with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Steve Klemkin. Steve has two USBC Open Championships Eagles back in 1993 and 2003. Steve also bowled on Team USA back in 91 and 94. Steve bowled collegiately at Wichita State University and was inducted into the USBC Hall of Fame back in 2016. Steve is also the co-host with yours truly of the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast, so check that out as well with Steve and and Steve, it's uh, it's great to have you on and, and get to chat a little bit more here about bowling. Yeah, thanks, Tim. It's awesome, uh, awesome to be chatting you, chatting with you under this uh, kind of a circumstance here. So, well, of course. So everyone probably knows we do the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast together, where we co-host those and go back and forth with collegiate players, coaches, and stars in the collegiate world. But there's also times when Steve, with you being such an accomplished bowler, that sometimes I think we just need to chat a little bit about you and your bowling and lo and behold a couple things over the last couple weeks have have made you one of the newsmakers in the sport you could say so let's first off begin let's go back to the open championships which you bowled uh, a couple weeks back like i said and you and your partner david haynes currently still leading the doubles event with a 1453 so let's talk about let's talk about your your tournament and specifically let's start with doubles i mean you come out of the gate shooting a 300 game uh what was the uh what's the secret of your success out there and what can people do in syracuse well well first off i just want to say that you know i'm glad you've you finally realized that we haven't been talking about me enough lately (laughs) and so thank you for that (laughs) no the open championships for me you know i mean i think that's you know it's the one thing i've this was my 30th straight year bowling it actually got one of those cool plaques that they gave, you know, at the start of the squad. And for me, the Open Championships is, is just an awesome annual event and experience. And one of the things that we always do, you know, we bowl different times of the year. We have, you know, players from all around the country that we have our, you know, friendships that we get to reunite each year or whatever and compete together. Um, but we all try and make sure that we're prepared once it comes tournament time. So, you know, two to three months in advance, of the tournament when we know we'll be out there bowling, you know, we'll really start to, you know, we'll get some, some conference calls together, shoot some emails around and say, how's everybody feeling? You know, if the pattern's short or long or medium, do you have equipment and is your arsenal ready for that? Do you have an idea on what you're going to take? 
Do you have any questions on strategy and stuff like that? Um, now, several of us have been bowling together, and you know, David Haynes is my partner, as you had mentioned, and uh, we've been bowling together in doubles for 20 some years. Um, but this was going to be our last year we can bowl together due to the new rules that they're implementing. So, you know, we just basically said, uh, you know, before we got out there a couple of times, it's like, man, this is our last shot at it. We've been talking for years about really wanting to win the doubles. Uh, and of course the team, you know, the team Eagle is, is super important to all of us too. But, you know, we said, let's, uh, let's make this year our best effort ever. And, um, it, it just so happened, um, you know, really that, um, we had a good crossing team, um, we had five, uh, two of the collegiate standouts actually from Wichita State uh, uh, that were uh, collegiate All-Americans, first-team All-Americans uh, this year, Sidney Brummett and Holly Ann Johansson, uh, bold honor companion team for the team event, and uh, Shannon Sellins, my wife Marsha, and uh, Deandra Asbady, all bold. They were our companion team. So um, we had a real good team um, for our team and our companion team. And we finished out strong. Our team started kind of slow for the first game and a half and then finished strong the, the uh, second half of the team event. And the next day, we went out and watched the girls bowl in the morning. They bowled 7 a.m. for singles and doubles. We bowled 7 p.m. And then after watching them, we got a little bit of an idea on what our game plan should be. And then we really just executed it, you know. We just uh, uh, kind of stuck with what we wanted to do, and we stayed focused. And even though I had that big game, game one, uh, David bowled an excellent game himself, so we had 520 out of the gate, and then you know then we just kept focusing on the shot making and making the adjustments. You know that's the one advice I would have for everybody going out there is you have to be ready to make the change because the lanes transition and change so quickly, and you can't just move your feet a little bit and just leave everything else the same. I mean it was going through changing balls, angles, speed, rotation, loft even, and making a lot of little tweaks and adjustments and fine tuning the whole time because. It's just not a kind of a condition. You know, sometimes in league you get dialed in and you just stand in the same spot, look at the same place, and you just strike. And uh, that's just, you know, that's not going to happen for anyone going out there to the Open Championships, whether you're bowling team, singles or doubles, left side, right side, whatever. So, see, one of the things that I've talked to Matt McNeil and I've had a couple other people on talk to Lenny Borsch last week as well, and, and one of the things that, that both of them kind of brought up was making sure your angles were, were right going you know, being in the right spot, having your angles proper, because if your angles were off, even if you got to the pocket, your carry wasn't great. Did you guys notice that as well in your crew that you were bowling with? Yeah, yeah, we sure did. We noticed the same thing. And we actually had, um, you know, I, my, my partner David shot 740 in doubles and I shot 70 in the same set. But in that 70, I had, uh, I had two shots uh, that were blower 710s that were basically you know, they were right on line, but the, the, uh, the speed was off a little bit. It was just a little bit firm, and the angle was just a fraction open. And then the ball comes behind the head pin, and it doesn't carry. So not only do you have to find a way for the ball to hit the pocket, but it's got to, like you mentioned, it has to be coming in at the right angle and have the right position at the head pin in order to carry. If not, you know, like you said, 8-1 a, a between a couple of strikes is, uh, you know, can be pretty costly. So you absolutely have to, you know, be aware of uh, of all the components to your game, including you know the the angle control and speed, and uh, and that's you know that's really what makes a, a major uh, type of a championship or an event um, makes it that prestigious or you know that that's what really kind of separates uh, our performances. You know you can make 
scoring uh, scoring can be high, and there's lots of times you'll see people with you know 50, 75, 100 or so, 300 games. Um, but they'll they'll all tell you when you you know when you see that they're, you're bowling on softer, easier conditions where you have a lot bigger margin for error. But when you you know when you get to the Open Championships or you bowl the Masters or you bowl the U.S. Open or you bowl uh, you know a major international or national event, the chances of those lane conditions uh, being open are, are are slim and none. You know they're going to be demanding. Same thing for collegiate nationals that's going on. I mean that's you're when you bowl those kinds of conditions, you're going to be bowling on a demanding lane condition. The score is going to be low and there's going to be, you know, a premium on shot making and a premium on uh, spare shooting as well too. It's not just the first ball, it's also the second ball. Yeah, Steve. So did you would you if you had to compare the shot from this year to last year from Vegas, would you say it's it's comparable or, or a little bit longer? My guess would be, you know, they don't they don't publish the patterns until until after the tournament's over. Um, but just having bowled on them, you know, our team had more success in the team event this year. Um, we were last year, we were 2,900 something this year. We had 3140 or so. So we were in the top 10 when we left, uh, Syracuse, although it's early, of course, but, um, it was a decent showing, uh, but the scores, um, scores for us, uh, felt like the scoring pace was a little bit higher. I would anticipate the winning scores, you know, being higher than they were in Las Vegas. And, um, but at the same, you know, at the same time, you know, if you miss inside of your target, you know, no matter what side of the lane you bowl on, your your ball's going to go high. And if you miss uh, outside of your target, it's it's going to go light. So, you know, it fo- it focuses on that. But yeah, I think the uh, you know for the people that maybe had a really really hard time, my all event score actually was lower this year um, than it was last year. I was 1920 or so last year in Vegas. This year I was 1880. Even with the uh, even with the 300, so and I just kind of attribute that to um, to really you know the, the the moves and the changes and adjustments were were really critical. And um, although I was bowling well, I think I was maybe a little bit too stubborn um, with kind of moving with the with the changes in the lane condition. So maybe last year I was a little bit better with doing that, but uh, overall the scores definitely are a little a little bit higher this year. Um, compared to last year for those people that bowled in Vegas and are trying to kind of get an idea on pace. Now, Lenny, when I talked to Lenny Borsch, who's leading singles, so he probably would think this, mm. but did um, did mm. he, he thought that for singles they kind of opened up pretty well because he said they he thought, in his opinion, they all played them pretty nice and, and made the pattern be, look pretty easy. It was a phrase I think he even used, actually. Did you notice that for singles as well, or it looked like your singles? Was it just a carry issue for you? And like you're saying, just a little bit, it was still you guys had to still be really uh, really uh, on point. Well, I, I tell you, we watched their team bowl because um, they were bowling when we got into the bowling center, the team event, and I think they had like 2780 or something like that in the team event. I mean, they were they had a really, really low, probably their lowest set. I don't know if it would be in, in history, but it, it was definitely one of their lower sets when they're a, usually a contender type of a team. Um, but the uh, as far as the singles and doubles go, um, when I saw on video as far as for where he was playing when he finished out, he was still... Uh, a little bit more to the outside, which is, uh, you know, that's a big reason I think that their team has had a lot of success because they're all very accurate. They're all very good at um, playing the lanes together and not having somebody that's playing, you know, somebody playing the fourth arrow and then a couple people playing the second arrow and a couple people playing way out in the gutter. Um, I think they play the lanes together. And I could see where if you all, um, you know, work together as a team like that, that that then you could, uh, you know, you could make the lanes easier. And that's, that's one of the things too that you know if you're bowling on a pair of lanes by yourself and you're practicing 
if as you're as you're bowling throughout, you know, let's say you're bowling five or six games on a on a particular lane, just trying to practice. If the lanes aren't getting easier for you as you're bowling, you're not you're you're probably not breaking them. You're not doing something right. You know, you're not breaking the lanes down correctly because wherever you play and wherever you decide to play, you're generally going to be uh, your ball is going to be taking some conditioner off the lane there, and and you should be able to create a, a little bit of a shot that you could you could adjust your feet and take advantage of making the lanes a little bit nicer for yourself. So if you have a you know, teammates like Lenny Borish and, and like that Linz team uh, does with those guys. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, just to say that they were easier, um, you know, that, that I would say I'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to ever say that the lane conditions ever felt easy uh, for any of us at any point out there. But uh, but he sure had a nice set. I mean, he had a 780-some, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, 780 I believe I just had it up here 784 yeah and um and the minute yeah. I'm sure if, if it's like any nationals I've ever been to the minute you think they're starting to open up and you mm-hmm. make a little bit of a mistake or you get a little bit yeah. firm it's two pin or or four pin that's right or something you know or you come pin, over the top you, early it's your, yeah so exactly <laughs> um and by the way I'm sure it's a dangerous way to think <laughs> exactly although it does help when you you know when you maybe get one a little bit you know maybe a board or two right and it comes back and you go light mixer it does help you to maybe say you know you sigh a little bit knowing you have a little bit of area as opposed to having to stay so perfect. And I'd be remiss, Steve, we, we did a, a whole Collegiate Spotlight podcast with Andrew Anderson where we talked about your guys with you bowling the uh, Masters. This, uh, you know, So please check that one out because right after the Open Championships, you went and did the Masters. So that's why if you're wondering why the heck haven't we or aren't we talking about Steve's performance and the, um, the Masters tournament, that was where we, we hit on that. We will maybe hit a question or two on that. But um, let's stick a little bit here with the Open Championships. So Lenny gave us some thoughts on his uh, equipment that worked well and some of his crew also that threw in the strum and roto grip line do you have any other advice and and um, any cores and cover stocks that you saw that rolled well at the uh, convention center there in syracuse yeah you know one of the uh one of the balls that that i always bring with me and it works it works good in syracuse for the masters it worked good in syracuse for the open championships and and really it's just in my bag um for any tournament i go to and that's the phase two you know for me it's just a, a great it's a it's a, a higher end aggressive uh, benchmark type of a ball um, that I can use with a variety of releases. I can play inside, I can play outside, I can try and circle the lane and cover some boards, or I can try and play a little bit straighter. It's just really versatile for me. So that was the one thing. Now, the, ironically though, as far as the 300 game goes, um, I was using one of my old favorite uh, kind of standby benchmark types of balls, uh, which was actually a Crux Pearl. So it's one that I've been using. Actually, I shot 300 with the exact same ball um, a couple of years ago in the Utah uh, State Tournament here. And uh, it's just been one of those balls that, that works good for me, especially when they're a little bit fresher. And, uh, and it's one of those ones that I, I don't really leave home without it very often. Um, but, yeah, there's uh, you know you're, when you're bowling on those conditions, um, you're going to have to have more than just one ball or more than just two balls. You're going to have to have a benchmark type of a ball. You're going to have to have a couple balls up from it that are more aggressive and they're going to read the lane uh, a little bit quicker, a little bit sooner and still be responsive and still create some shape down lane. Then you have to have a couple balls that you can go down to. I also used a IQ tour, uh, solids, same thing I used in the tournament and in the, uh, and in the, uh, masters as well. Um, and that, you know, that works good for me. There's, uh, uh, the, the big thing that you want to make sure you have when you're going there, though, is, is going to be double check your surfaces. You know, if you have some 
old bowling balls that maybe they're good and they seem like they hook a lot at home. It might just be because there's a lot of friction on the lane on your, your league pattern. And you're going to want to make sure that your surfaces are clean. Um, you're going to want to make sure that they're not oil soaked and not, you know, very smooth. Uh, you want to make sure you have at least a couple of balls in your, in your bag that have some texture, have a little bit of friction, um, kind of built into that cover stock. So, you know, or maybe if you have a, a, a favorite ball, whatever it is, that's, that's rolled good, but now you've got, you know, 75 or a hundred or 125 games on it, punch the same up and make it a new one, you know, freshen up that, uh, make sure that you have a little bit more life in that ball. Cause you know, when you go bowl tournaments, you're going to need something that's typically going to handle a little bit more volume of oil and a little bit, uh, you know, more oil at the end of the oil pattern than you would typically see in your, uh, in your local house shot or your league shot. And Steve, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up like what you're talking about. I agree 100%, but it also is a great idea to stop in by Mark Anderson at the pro shop there at the stadium, at the center rather, at the mm-hmm. convention center. Have them look at your equipment and say, hey, what do you think about these surfaces? Because they're going to they're gonna help you out and they're going to say, oh, I'd, I'd do this or I'd do that. You know, in most cases, even without having you seen or they can still see your track on the ball or, or give you an idea. I mean, if you come in there with something polished at... 4,000, they're going to say, eh, it's probably not going to work here, you know, so they're going to help get your equipment mm-hmm. surfaces, and um, and then especially even after maybe you have an idea, if you bowl, I know, even for me, honestly, a lot of times between doubles and singles, because you can change surfaces, I'll go back and get it back to what it was because of the lane shine and lane polish uh, with a conditioner there, like you had said, but in just at that team event, to get it back to where it once was, or say, hey, what do you think? Does it look okay sort of thing? So make sure you stop by those guys. They're going to take care of you, and, and they know what's going on there on the lanes because they're, de- they're there every day. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. And I got to tell you, I spent a lot, lot of time in that booth all during the week before, during, and after that tournament. I was in there, I think, a lot more than they were maybe hoping I would be in there. But I was, <laughs> I was using their using their spinner and picking their brains and what have you seen on this and that and trying to decide, you know, some of the stuff on strategy-wise. And uh, they're a, a, a wealth of knowledge in there. So, yeah, you do got to go see – you definitely do get to see Mark and the gang in there for sure. All right. So your final question then will be on the Masters because that was bowled. You bowled all your Open Championship stuff. Then you stuck around for the the Masters and bowled that tournament. Now, Alex Hoskins in the office had some success last year and again had success this year. But what led you to yeah. to want to bowl the Masters? And just was it something like you know what I'm only I'm only here once. It's in the same city, same venue. I might as well stick around and do it. Or what led you to bowling and then? You know, it was like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you're glad that it just keeps going on and you kept making it. I was watching a lot on extra frame, but then once you get going, I'm sure you're like almost like thinking, well, pinch me or is this a dream that I'm as far as I am in this tournament? Now I'm on TV on Sunday on ESPN. Yeah, that, that, that you hit you hit the nail on the head there. You know, and the last time I bowled the Masters was in 2011, and that was the last year that they had the Masters and the Open Championships combined in the same venue during the same time frame. And, uh, you know, for me, if they had had maybe the Masters two or three months apart and it had been, you know, in New Jersey instead of Syracuse, chances of me flying across country twice at different times probably wouldn't have happened. But the fact that it was together and we were able to check the uh, schedule for squad times and dates that were tied in right before or right after the Masters there, um, that was really the deciding factor. And like you mentioned, Alex, he made the show last year. So he was actually the first one when the dates opened up or they were announced for the Masters. Uh, Alex called me and said, hey, check and see if there's any squad times available, see if we can bowl the Saturday, Sunday before the Masters. And I hopped on there, and there were a few team spots open and a few singles and double spots open. So I you know, quickly reserved them and then had decided, uh, hey, while I'm 
you know, while I'm here, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to go ahead and enter. So I entered last fall after they announced those dates and, uh, and we got our spots for, for the open championships. And then I entered for the masters and, uh, and then I was just, you know, kind of committed mentally to being ready, uh, for both events, you know, practice wise and just started getting ready for it. And, uh, yeah. So if they, uh, if that's something in the USBC does again in the future with combining the open championships and the masters, they are, uh, definitely have a, um, a much better shot of, of me and, and probably guys like me as well who work, you know, 40 hours a week and don't bowl for a living of having a chance to, you know, schedule some vacation time and, and, and use some of those hours and days that we have off for vacation to make that combine and work with the Open Championships tournament as well. And quickly, before we go, please remember to check out h5gbrands.com. That's High Five Gear. Check them out as well. One of the fine sponsors of the Above180.com podcast. I'm sure if you're watching Steve Bowl last week and a lot of the other folks at the uh, Masters, at the Open Championships, you're going to see them wearing their High Five gear. So check Steve. Steve was wearing his. You could see Steve design some of his own. He had a Wichita State one, had a bunch of different other ones, but they can help you to show your individuality, no artwork fees, and a special deal here, folks, for Above180.com listeners. Use the code ABOVE180. You're going to get $20 off at checkout. So use that code ABOVE180, $20 off at, at checkout there. Check all that stuff out. No no hidden artwork fees. So what you see is what you're going to get there. Uh, check them out. They got other replica jerseys. You want to get a jersey like your favorite PBA star. Check all that stuff out at h5gbrands.com today. Also, if you're up in Syracuse, please remember, go check out the BTM tournament, bowlingthismonthtournament.com. Bowlingthismonth.com is their website. Bowling's best and most complete technical resource all at your fingertips. Great insight, great articles. Like I said, they have the tournament that coincides with the Open Championships in Syracuse. Rick Ramsey and his wife Gail do a great job of running that. So check all that stuff out in Syracuse. Check out the website. There's more information on the tournament on the website. Also great articles, ball reviews. You're looking for some equipment. It's going to help you when you head out to Syracuse. Check all that out. Also stuff to help your game out, help your physical game, help your mental game. Coaching tips, everything is all you need, right? One website, bowlingthismonth.com. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure chatting with you regarding that. And of course, like I said, if you haven't or if you're still um, you're you know, you haven't checked out the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast that me and myself, uh, myself and Steve do check those out as well. Lots of great collegiate players we talked to on those shows. And and Steve is my co-host as a uh, Wichita State alum. So uh, if you're a Wichita, if you're a shocker, let's just say you're going to hear plenty of shocker bowlers, um, mainly because they have a really solid program and um, and we're going to have them on as well. But every school, we try to hit hit schools all around the country and highlight different programs and, and uh, you know, bring some notice and bring some recognition to college players and coaches and teams all across the country. So we'll catch up with Steve again and um, and we'll be doing those. So check those out as well on Above180.com. But Steve, it's been a pleasure having you on here just chatting about your experiences in Syracuse. Hey, it's been a pleasure too, Tim. Thanks for having me on for this separate podcast. This was great. And uh, with a little bit of luck, maybe that score holds up and you can have uh, David Haynes and myself, you can have us on talking about our, our doubles eagle down at the end of the tournament. We'll see. <laughs>